Thank you for joining us today on Miniature Wargaming Labs. Today, we are bringing someone back. We are bringing back the head goon from Enemy Spotted Studios. How are you doing today? Doing great. How about you, man? I am doing well. I'm glad you were able to uh, come on here um, because we are looking at your latest Kickstarter. So we've had you on before for um, your game, Kill Wager. Kill Wager. Um, good game. And uh, do like the minis. So when I, I back Kill Wager, I got the two-person starter set with the Western and the uh, Eastern Contractor squads, which was perfectly timed out because it fits real well if you want to do Ukraine. Uh, so I painted them up in their uh, Ukrainian-Russian color scheme there. It was perfect for that. And that, right when I finished the last Eastern Contractor, I saw you launched a new Kickstarter for a new game you have called In Country. So why don't you uh, give us the uh, elevator pitch before we dig into it? How would you describe In Country? You've actually got a really good four-minute video on Kickstarter, um, laying it out, showing some great shots, and having experience with your Killwager miniatures. Um, I can vouch that... Uh, good stuff that you're putting out there and I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. So how would you warm people up to this? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for the introduction. In country is a fast paced, no BS modern day tabletop war game. You're looking at anywhere from a squad of eight to 12 miniatures upwards of reinforced platoons of 40 to 45 miniatures and vehicles battling it out on two by two foot boards two even larger six by four foot boards. It's a very scalable, very recognizably realistic game that focuses more on positioning and actual military tactics rather than knowing special rules and secret squad building or army building points lists and things like that. You'll be moving models quickly about the field, engaging in very lethal combat using a D10 system and inches. You can obviously convert it to centimeters. We can play using two-dimensional or three-dimensional terrain. Both of these are included in the Kickstarter and the rules and core system are incredibly flexible, allowing you to create modern-day forces uh, with some pre-described forces such as U.S. Army Rangers, organized militias, and sketchy Russians, or should I say not Russians in this case. Or you can even jump a little bit forward and use some near-future technology. For example, at the recent Warzone Houston, we actually ran a large-scale in-country game with six players and 90 models per side but we used kill wager miniatures. So we had some large robots fighting alongside the tanks, but the rules didn't change at all. And we played that entire game out in about, uh, I want to say 90 minutes actually. Plays fun, fast, no math, no BS, very lethal. Well, I am have to admit, I do like the two by two boards. Um, just, so I'm traveling right now. And just from a travel perspective, um, the two by two boards, low count, um, that we've started to see a lot more ultra modern warfare games move to, I actually find very convenient. And especially the um, option, much like Black Powder Red Earth, um, you're doing this, the flat terrain, like eye from the sky, looking down, um, having rules that adjust to that flat terrain, just because it's so much easier to load in my bag. <laughs> when everything's flat and I just have to protect the minis. Um, why the push to that smaller form factor? But I also imagine two by two with 60 miniatures each side. Did you actually intend like 120 miniatures each side on a two by two board? Feels like that would fill it. 
Well, oh no, I'm sorry I came across that way. I wouldn't suggest playing with that many miniatures on a two okay. by two. It scales <laughs> so, up to larger board sizes with more okay. miniatures. Yeah. Okay. I mean you can so do just, it, it'd be a little wild, but I was like, they're they're really close together. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh that's a bit uh uh that's a bit more Warhammer realm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but why the smaller size? What were you thinking? Uh, moving down to that. Was that just a speed issue? Because I noticed in your video, there's a lot of emphasis on speed, reducing the amount of math, the modifiers. Your one comment in your video is, do you hate plus one, minus one? Uh, <laughs> so it all started with Kill Wager. Kill Wager, we wanted a fast, fun, no BS game, and that's what we got. There's no individual modifiers. There's no math. Simply, do I need to shoot you in cover? Do I need to shoot you in the open? And we wanted to translate that to a larger scale game. I've played a lot of war games and they all really get stuck on kind of pedantic rules, plus one, minus one, stuff like that, that really slows the game down. And we've gotten to the point where the slowest thing in the game is simply moving miniatures. And I think that's perfection there. Add on top of that, the two by two foot board, close engagement ranges and positioning based tactics and interplay between players. And two by twos are great for kill wager and small scale games of in-country it's just, uh, it's a good board size. One by one's a little too small. Three by three is a little bit weird. Two by two we found is pretty dang perfect for that. For kill wagers, four to six models or in countries, two squads to a squad. So you're looking at probably eight to 12 models versus each other. Now, what, what yeah. was the theme of this universe you're going for? So in country, looking at it, it looks more like today, the last five years, the next five years. So like right around where kill wager was, like 150 years in the future on a different planet. So what was the theme you were thinking of with in-country? Yeah, absolutely. So Kilwage is going to be very near future. We're looking at about 60 to 80 years into the future with a bit of like a time stall in between. So you'll notice a lot of familiar equipment and stuff with some higher end technology on like the user interface side. So helmets and stuff. I really wanted to bring in-country back to the modern day as I don't feel like a lot of modern day. Well, to be, uh, to be honest, I don't feel like a lot of or all of the modern kind of combat games do it justice and i wanted to really kind of just make a game that i would actually enjoy and want to design miniatures for that would play successfully so i wanted to bring it back and allow us to trim down some of that kind of technology rules like for example tagging or like laser designating individual models and drones and stuff like that are prevalent in kill wager including more advanced hacking one of the bare bones bring it back to military tactics battle drill alpha battle drill bravo you're going to be in like integrating squads and teams into actual combat like that rather than focusing on maybe utilizing some more higher tech so with that you know i focused on my favorite u.s army rangers love them and kind of brought it into the very recognizable modern day setting. But we're obviously still ultra modern here. It can be played either way, all the way back to the you know Vietnam, even World War II. Some guys are kind of modding the rules into, but the models and the range itself are definitely going to be ultra modern. Okay. You know, I guess that would make sense. Like if you want to do like a SAS LDRG out in the desert, um, you probably... I could see that doing like little because we've we've talked about that before with Kill Rage, Wager, like reskinning it. So because we talked about that since you had a lot of the tech part, stripping that out and bringing down to more like modern day game. Mm-hmm. If you remove the robot, so in country is that solution. This is, you know, take out the stuff you don't actually recognize. Um, well, maybe these weapons exist, but I haven't uh-huh. seen them. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's make- actually going to be a lot of squad base. So you'll be activating and performing with teams rather than individual models. 
Okay, so that's how you're getting yeah. the model count out. You've exactly. gone to more squad-based yeah. skirmish. I have to admit that for a squad-based skirmish, two by two is probably the smallest board I've seen someone do a squad base. How what what are the size of the squads and how many squads are you thinking of for let's just say a 45 minute game? I've got yeah, a two absolutely. by two board. I only want to pay for 45 minutes because that's a lot of times all the time I have. How many squads, how many models of squad are you? Yeah, so we suggest it's uh, fast, furious, and egregious. Uh, The fast mode is going to be two by two foot board. You're looking at one squad per player, and a squad is comprised of two teams. So, for example, U.S. Army Rangers would have a Ranger Assault element and a Ranger Assault element as the squad. You might benefit from, uh, like, uh, for example, the Insurgents. If you take two mobs, you'll get the Veteran Insurgents for free, and they can operate either as a third team or attach to one of those teams. So looking at eight to 10, maybe 12 models at max for that two by two foot board operating in units, basically of two or three units total. Well, so let me ask you, um, heavier weapons. Um, is that going to be like a special two man detachment or are you integrating those into the squad? And so let's talk about the mechanics. Um, yeah, absolutely. Are all the members of like the teams on the squad have the same weapon or how, how are you going to handle different weapons? Because I've seen people, like, here's my dice pool, and the different colors will be the different weapons. <laughs> oh, or <God. laughs> let's roll for the big weapon. Now let me do the little weapons. But you want this to be fast. How are you handling the granularity of some of the weapons? Because I imagine if we went to, like, platoon, like did a four-by-four four table, did platoons, multiple squads, if we actually wanted the kinds of different weapons a platoon would carry... I could see that slowing it down. So how, how are you handling that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm glad you asked. So basically, in-country operates with individual teams that will have profiles. You can always create your own, but let's use the Ranger Assault Team as an example here. So the Ranger Assault Team has no weapons. You don't have weapon profiles in the game. You have roles. So everybody's assumed to be carrying a weapon. It's actually a special rule to be unarmed. So the Ranger Assault Team lists simply their grips, which are the numbers you need to roll. Three, six, nine. Three to shoot somebody in the open on a D10. Six in concealment. Nine if they're in concealment and defensive. Then it lists their movement. Five inches, because they're pretty speedy boys. And then their special rules in relation to them. So for example, they have close quarters, which means in eight inches, they ignore concealment. Then they have two roles. You have a primary and secondary role. They have a primary role of a grenade launcher. It's deployed and explosive. So you have one model, that's the grenade launcher. And if he engages, which is the basically the, I sit still and shoot rather than I move and shoot, for example, you then use the explosive rule, which means if you hit your target and everybody in two inches is injured, that's it. Okay. There's no kind of like uh, individual <laughs> special things you need to do. You just say like, here's the grenade shot, good to go. He doesn't have the special rule with the grenade launcher that the Ranger team does, and that's it. If you want to move to like a weapon system team, for example, like a 240 Bravo, it would probably be a two-man detachment. So you'd have a Ranger weapon team, and you would have two models, and the primary role would be an MMG, and that would have its own special rule for it, like Cyclic 2, which means you roll two dice when you uh, sit still and shoot. Now, when <laughs> I so let's say I damage another squad and start picking people off, does that yeah. degrade the profile? of the squad like um based on your description i'm viewing the idea of is not the individual miniatures i'm controlling a squad and the squad has a profile so let's say the squad takes damage how is that damage reflected does it become less efficient does it hurt its moves its rate of fire what are you thinking 
nope, we don't have any of the ambiguity that you have in like platoon-sized combat games with like morale or anything like that. You could become suppressed and defensive, and that's about it. So when you do engage a team and you are successful in shooting them, they have to make a survival grip. So for example, if I injure that ranger, he needs to roll six or higher. So I would pick a target, I'd roll shoot, and then he would uh, have to roll six up. Or if you want to play it faster, you can go ahead and simply, okay, these four guys can see these four guys. I'm going to roll my shots. Okay, you have three injuries. Okay, so you roll your three grips. If you fail them, then you just pick them based on the shooter's preference and line of sight. You can't kill people around corners like Warhammer. Can't do any of that stuff. So if I shoot and kill your grenade launcher guy, you don't have the grenade launcher. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I was just picturing, uh, I remember, uh, what was it? France had a, uh, 20 years ago, had like a future weapon program and it had like a little rifle that folded in half so oh, that they gosh. could shoot around corners. Yes. Yes. You remember yes. that? <laughs> uh, I remember like, I think some of the videos are still on YouTube just when you, Oh man. Why, why, why can't you shoot around corners? What well, can the I, French squad like, French like, squad like shoot kill somebody around the corner? You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Like I'm shooting three dudes and the guy around the corner dies. I've seen that in other war games. So I like to bring it up as an okay. example. <laughs> it's, it's a controlled ricochet. Yeah. 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 Hits the guy in front and goes through him. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's very model by model basis with the opportunity to roll all of your dice at once because the reacting player will always roll first and then the attacking player, the like active player. So you're never really dinking around with, can I see you here? You know, it's obvious who you can kill. Okay, yeah. now let's talk about where the rubber meets the road. So you've already gone out to one convention and tried this out. Um, what convention did you go to? I think you mentioned Yeah, we went down it. to Warzone Houston. Big shout out to those guys. Oh, okay. Really I saw crew. your post. I thought you were, okay. I thought you went to one of the cons down in Texas. I thought that's where you were and you were doing a demo at a convention. Okay. Well, it was a convention and we were running demos, but Warzone Houston's the name. Okay. Um, so that's not a store. I normally don't. I normally go through Dallas or San Antonio. I normally don't stop in Houston. <laughs> I have family there, so <laughs> so when you showed it off, um, how quickly did people pick it up? Because I think that's a good example of if someone wanted to buy the games, like how quickly could I absorb the rules and get going on this? Yeah, and so before I even say it, you know, this is like the absolute truth you know i'm not dicking around here i'm not like kind of circle jerking my game or kill wager or anything like that but we had people picking it up right away we had five people come up to the table for the demo of the big game and we had them running smoothly on their own with no questions while i was watching probably within 10 minutes i gave them you know a little list of what you can do with your teams and what you can't do when you're suppressed for example and then i told them you know each player can do one thing with a team when it's your turn, then it's going to go over to the other players. They picked it up right away. We only had some specific questions about, for example, the special rules. They're like, okay, what does you know, concealment mean in this case? I was like, oh, that's when somebody's behind cover enough to give them concealment. And it was just very obvious terms to pick up on. I will give the caveat that they were war gamers because they were at a wargaming convention, but we had people picking it up right away. Okay, now... When you did these demos, did you have the 3D terrain or the flat terrain? We were running 3D terrain and 2D terrain. The primary de- the wow, the primary demos took place on the three-dimensional terrain because we had that really big badass board set up, so people wanted to play on that. But we did showcase with the two-dimensional terrain, and our feedback on that was it was much easier to gauge line of sight and kind of work around it. But I mean, to each their own there. 
Okay. I, cause I, I wanted to get a feel of like what you're presenting that people are able to pick up in uh, 10 minutes, but let's say we know this is going to be a fast game. Not a lot of math on it. Um, small count, small area. That's great. Um, so you've gone back to Kickstarter. What, what was your thinking on it? Just, you know, for anyone out there who wants to do a Kickstarter and I like, I like bringing people on, you'd had one successful Kickstarter why go back to Kickstarter a second time? Yeah, so the primary purpose for Kickstarter within country was to simply give us a scale or a gauge of the interest for it, as well as our existing audience being able to access it based on like, um, for example, we have like the Killwager Jackal team add-on, kind of gauge an interest from our existing audience on the new game coming out. Because a lot of these guys are sci-fi dudes, you know, squad size only. So bringing it to a bigger game with modern day, I wanted to really get a good demographic view on it. Otherwise, Kickstarter gives us a really good platform for marketing, as well as giving us like a, a date to work up to. So our current production is capable of bringing in more than enough miniatures for our retail sales and concurrent website sales. But when we're kind of testing the waters with new products, I would much rather have like X amount of orders come in and then I can fill them and then send them out rather than people having that expectation of, okay, I just placed the order. I'm, tr I'm checking tracking right now. You kind of know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, if I remember from um, the kill wager, you had some, wasn't your fault. I think a lot of Kickstarters <laughs> had this on the book. Like, yes. Um, and I think it wasn't just you games workshop has problems mm -hmm. with printing and I've, I buy their books and I noticed when they shifted printers, um, you didn't have that ability. So um, how is that lessons learned from the first one affecting how you're tackling this one? Cause I think even oh, in, in your promo video, you said like, Hey, we've been through the trenches before we know what the trenches look like. So this one, six months. Yep, exactly. So the previous Kickstarter, we were fully capable of fulfilling that in three months flat. And then the book issue came in and we had to keep saying people like, hey, we've got a print issue. We got a print issue. We offered the alternative of we'll give you a squad instead of your book. Technically more of a value, depending on the person. You know what I mean? Cash wise, it's more of a value. And we had a lot of people go for that. So we sent them their pledges early without the books and then followed up on them and got them the books later. This time around, we're not jacking with any of that. Just being flat out, if you get something with printed 2D terrain or the books, we are giving ourselves a lot of leeway. I think our expected delivery date is February, but we're going to try to get it out there as soon as possible. I do have a couple of notices with this one, though. If you don't have the printed material and you don't order like a ton of add-ons, we're going to try to get it out before the end of the year because that's what we have. We just have to wait to see how many orders we have for the books. Okay. Because, <laughs> man, that was... I hated having those updates like, we're still waiting, guys. We're still waiting, guys. You know, I hate letting people down. I just want people to play with their toys. <laughs> I mean, you had the digital book. That's yeah. that's what I got. Because um, I did. All right. So when you did the kill wager, you had an option. So I waited for it to close. And then you had this option show up of just get the two modern squads and the digital book, like the digital assets and print it yourself and go. And I felt, you know, what? that that seems right. I've been spending a lot of money, but that seems to work. And you had like a really good price, especially considering the quality of the models there. Um, are you doing something similar with in-country? And I bring that up because part of your promo video is, all right, you can see the stuff I have on the Kickstarter and you're just blowing through your goals. 
um, but you've promised more stuff once the Kickstarter drops, like STL files and everything yep. at a separate store, like in the backer kit. How how's that working? That it seems like you've got a two stage plan. Like the Kickstarter mm-hmm. will close, people will back their pledges, and oh by the way, here's more product. What what can we expect to see behind the curtain? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked this question because we have a it's kind of a fun system we've developed for it. So we have a lot of people coming from outside of wargaming. We've worked with YouTubers. We have a couple of bigger influencers in like the tactical, like tactical shooter gaming sphere and tactical like RTS sphere promoting our product. And so a lot of people haven't used Kickstarter before. And in my experience, in my opinion, Kickstarter's UI and interface, garbage. <laughs> One big scroll, super hard to find information. Like you can get what you buy, but finding any relevant information, super tough. So we wanted to keep it super streamlined. Like, hey, you can get your dudes. And digital books, you know, or you can get the dudes in the physical book or you can get the full box set, right? Everything else afterwards is just kind of gravy on top. We're going to be looking at CIA ground branch operatives. We're going to be looking at tier one operatives. They're kind of um, like a more generic one. They've got quad nods, uh, Heckler Coke 416s. We got blowout pouches, stuff like that. So you've got tier one guys, CIA ground branch. We have Russian FSB. We have some more undercover guys. We have four or five vehicle sets coming. Um, and obviously this is all up in the air still, but this is what's been designed and is currently on the menu. We have more Ranger teams. We have more hazmat teams. We have more insurgent teams. Um, uh, we have EOD teams. Anything from the Kickstarter could also be purchased. And then STL wise, we have a lot of alternative STLs for the existing things in the Kickstarter. So for example, you'll be able to get hazmat kind of team STLs, uh, Ranger STLs, Russian STLs, Stuff like that. Almost everything offered physically will be offered as an STL of some sort or variant. So that's all afterwards. And that's simply to not confuse the hell out of anybody that hasn't used Kickstarter before and to also not clog up the Kickstarter page. Uh, so I've backed some Kickstarters where they do the uh, potpourri of options there. And yeah, I had to get out like the spreadsheet. Okay, bro. On the if-then statements. Okay, okay. So if I spend this much, I'm entitled to these three packs. But yeah, <laughs> then I get my order. It's like, what? What the heck did I order? Is this right? And and on the down low, you know, it's a podcast. I'll say it out loud. But Kickstarter does take a larger cut of what you're putting out now, rather than what happens afterwards. Just gonna say. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I see. Well, let me. What's the mix that you see? Because um, I like to buy, even though I have all the 3D, I've got like three 3D printers, I still like to buy physical. What are you finding? Um, like with your first one, what did the customers go for? What was that percentage balance between physical versus STL? Yeah, so I'm going to give you what happened with Killwager, and then I'm going to give you what's going on now, because it's a little bit different. For Killwager's example, we didn't offer a lot of, well, actually, we didn't offer any of the sci-fi stuff, my intellectual property, as STLs. So we had a large portion of people that were international or were coming from the ultra modern community choosing the STL options because it's popular in the ultra modern community to have a 3D printer already because a lot of the stuff you print, as well as, I mean, that's just easier. And the STL options were modern day soldiers. So it was probably about a 30 70 split between digital physical because there was more physical options. Um, this time around, we're actually closer to like 40, 60. Cause once again, the ultra modern crowd is very 3d printer heavy. Um, and they're a big part of that, but we have a larger part portion of our audience and also the community at large aware of the quality that we're printing at and just how high quality we are now. 
So we've had a lot of people come on for the physical one and tell me, hey, I own a 3D printer, but I don't want to dink around with printing stuff. And your guys, we use basically a prototyping printer that's going to be the same quality as what companies are using to make their master models at. They're like, that just blows anything I can do away. So I'm going for the physical one instead. So Yeah, I have, have to admit, um, what I think was lost in like the kill wager with like the Eastern contractors is that the detail on the hands down to the shooting gloves where you can actually, even though it's properly scaled, you actually have a way to define the fingertips coming out of the gloves and like the back of the hand being visible. And it's like, I did not notice that detail. I actually got the model in my hand and started painting it. That's why when I saw it in country, it's like, okay, well, um, I'm going to get a bigger package on this one. That's why I'm interested in like, well, what else is behind that curtain that might be out there? So I think before the show, you were talking about some of the other factions. Are you willing to say what some of the other factions are for in-country? Um, Absolutely, like- man. And once again, not circle jerking, but our printer system we're using, our, our manufacturer, way different from last year. We're getting eyelids and we're getting like nostrils. We're getting even earpieces in like, I could show you some images later you can maybe post up, but our CIA ground branch guys, we have battery wires running from their counterweights up to the night vision goggles and the retention wires. Um, it's kind of nuts. Like I can't be lazy and my designers can't be lazy when doing these things because of the printer quality. <laughs> and it's, um, it's just been a really fun experience messing with it. I'm excited to hear your feedback on the models you get from this in comparison to the Kilwager Kickstarter. Yeah, I'll talk about I'll talk about the factions now. I'll talk. I'm just super hyped about the quality we've been able to get. Well, I, I backed it on the first day just because of those two CIA guys. Oh yeah, yeah, said, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I think you you blew away. Was it 200 funded? And I think that's because just the the FOMO associated with like, well, the model. Well, I know the models are good, and if it's two free guys, <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead. Yeah, a big plan was just to get it like um, I was going to be traveling at Warzone Houston and like I really wanted a super chill Kickstarter. Last Kickstarter, I was like really amped up making add ons stuff mid Kickstarter. It was my first time. I was just super cool, like jazzed up and we had a really great team on it. This time I was like, okay, I've got my team set up. They know what they're doing. We need to go in and just run this thing. And I don't want to be answering questions in the comments. I don't want to be making crazy add-ons, making everything confusing. Like, I don't want to have to answer any questions or confusion. So it's been really nice to see it just kind of take off on its own. But the um, forces available, we're looking at. So there's two There's two things you have to keep in mind. Uh, we are providing rules for some forces. But because the ultra-modern world and the gaming stuff is so open, we have a basically build-your-own force system in the game where we provide you basically like a list of special rules you can use to define the guys. So for example, like medical training makes it a little bit harder for you to be killed or stuff like that. Um, but we do have U S army Rangers. We have organized insurgents. We have um, not Russians, basically Eastern deniable forces. And then we've unlocked tier one forces and what tier one forces look like are smaller teams. So you'll be operating in two to four man teams and they're going to be very well trained, but they do have some really cool rules based around if you take more of them, if you, lose a certain percentage you basically automatically lose the game because of you know you don't want them taking hostage or whatever you can't lose whole teams we also have rules available for uh, the pla we have potential pla models coming that's china by the way chinese pla we have more traditional forces and lesser developed nations you're going to be looking at um i hesitate to say this but like iraqi uh swat stuff like that like mosul kind of stuff from that film um as well as maybe more 
organized militia, but, you know, not like the generic radical jihadist, you know, maybe more Boko Haram kind of African style stuff. I didn't know if you wanted to go for some Shia militia groups. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to really like, like I've dealt with real world stuff and I don't want it like too much in my video or my miniature games, but we do have some relations to those things just without the same names. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes solder needs to knock some heads around. Guys yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah so more uh more regular forces as well so you might see like uh like i mentioned u.s marines are standing army forces uh obviously more well-trained than reservists uh, that would fall under tier three in our little chart we have okay yeah. um so i think last time we talked um we were talking about sculpting and you said you were doing a lot of the sculpting yourself like teaching yourself how to do it but you're talking about this increased um, level of detail and you're talking about your team. So have you started to rely on other sculptors more going into this Kickstarter? Yeah, I've actually assembled a really core group of professionals I work with. Uh, I do almost, I want to say probably 90, 90% of the sculpting. Usually I develop what we call like a master file and then we work off of it to create the squads or the teams so that it's not like, I don't know, I get a little bored creating the same dude several times over with little variations. So I asked my team to kind of take over in those certain cases. We do have a hard surface sculptor I've brought on. I love sculpting infantry um, vehicles, make me want to uh, have one drive over me when I sculpt it. So I, uh, I've, I've hired a hard surface sculptor who I work with on the vehicles. So you'll be seeing some kill wager vehicles in the future. Like I concept them, like we have a really cool, like uh, ad hoc mining technical it's like a mining vehicle with a machine gun on the back i came up with the concept blocked it out then he went in and did all of it so we did that here with in country i was like hey i need an matv uh you know an oshkosh style uh matv system i'm like this is what we need this is what we need and then he blocked it in or i blocked it in, and then he knocked it out so that's my big guy on the hard surface and then we have somebody who does a lot who's learning basically like an apprentice style sculptor who does a lot of the smaller things like um I'll send them pictures. We got a guy out of the Ukraine right now sending us pictures of kit and stuff they're using and kind of the ad hoc setups. I'm like, hey, man, can you make up these tourniquets? Um, you know, make sure the windlass is set to the higher point here. And this is a specific magazine retention system they use. And he does that then sends them over to me and I can kind of knock together the masters a bit faster. So we get together and we do it up. Well, I, I have to appreciate the attend, like having someone send you pictures because... So assembling stuff from Ukraine, I think the rule set needs a customizability in there because you look at some of those photos, if you actually try to pin down what people are wearing and using, and it's like someone took a giant container and just poured weapons and gear in and shook it up and said, take what you want, eh, whatever you, you gotta want. gotta love it. <laughs> and make it, make it all the same color, except the one guy's helmet. It's going to be a different color because that's what he found on the ground. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I can appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so, now, since you have a plan for so many um, new forces going on, is this going to come in waves? Are we going to see like um, in country two, in country three, or is this going to be part of the um, wolf pack that we talked about last time? Are you going to add expansions to in country there? through like the Patreon subscription model. What, what's the support going to like look like? 
look for this going forward? Yeah. So once we hit $69,420, I'll actually cancel it and release in country Two electric boogaloo. And you guys can back that. Come, no, I'm just jacking with you. dude. I've talked about this on live stream before, which you can find in the in country discord under announcements. There's several live streams, but the idea for in country is I don't want to have gigantic skew bloat. So you look at other modern war games and there's like a drop down menu that you have to scroll to get by and it's just a cluster and doesn't present well and everybody's kind of confused about it. And it's a very like cherry pick your own kind of hostile third world conflict. I'd rather release very actionable, usable products for in country. And we spoke about this before on the stream. So example, Israeli conflict, I might release what's called like an action pack, right? That's kind of like the beta term we're floating around or combat pack. It involves, you know, maybe a Merkova battle tank or some kind of Israeli battle tank. Is that what they're titled? I can't, whatever. Israeli battle tank or their armored fighting vehicle, a couple of squads of Israeli defense force, and then maybe some, um, like a weapons team. We're kind of toying with the idea of releasing that alongside combatant forces. So you'd get that and then, you know, take your pick of whoever could be an enemy of Israel. <laughs> you know, whatever you want to imagine there. I don't know. Maybe it's our, our favorite local fighters or maybe it's a more organized force like Syria. So we release that as one big bundle you can buy rather than having IDF squad one, IDF squad two, you know, advancing IDF squad. I don't want to mess with that. And the price points we're able to offer, I've heard from a lot of people are really attractive for those larger purchases. And if you are trying to recreate that conflict in whole, it's a much easier process to go through that. Um, you'll see those post Kickstarter moving into next year, especially with more retail expansions at the heart of it, because it's easier to work with retail uh, when you have larger products like that, rather than a million SKUs to reorder from. Well, I, I like that because that reminds me of when GW switched to the combat patrol boxes where they started lining those up with like their level of game at combat patrol. Then like atomic mass games started doing instead of the two faction starter set, just the one faction starter set. And you had everything you need to start like a core force there. Mm. So I've been really into that idea of like, well, I don't want to buy both sides. I want to buy one side. Um, because I want to play around with like the other side I match it with. Um, so I like that. I like that idea of just an all in one package of like, okay, I'll take that box and that'll come yeah. with me. Um, you know, I, I asked about the expansions because, you know, not many people cover like PLA out there. And there, there is a difference between like PLA airborne Corps and PLA Navy Marines out there. So that's why I was interested in like, depending on how far you go and what time period you get, there can be like these subtle changes to like um, the weapons and the loadouts. So that's why I didn't know like how far you're going to support this and how, because um, a lot of focus on Middle East, North Africa, um, a lot of focus on the Balkans, Ukraine, but you know, when you start throwing the Chinese in there, that, that takes it into an area where there is a lot of variety, but I don't think people realize how much. It's wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, no one does Japanese airborne. Like, when it, why can't I get my Japanese airborne miniatures? Yeah, that's, that's, such a, that's it's such an issue in my mind about like as a designer and as the owner of the company or like, you know, one of the owners of the company. Like, I don't want to. <laughs> I love it. You know, you could get that going. But like we do commissions. And like you mentioned, the pack we do things called goon starters, where if you're part of the pack, by the way, $6 a month, you get free shipping on orders over $25 on all our products and you get access to exclusive models. But we do things like goon starters where they're like, 
man, I really want to do the guys from the movie Heat, but I want them in Kill Wager. So I was like, okay, so for X amount of dollars, I can do that. And everybody chips in 25 bucks. It's like a micro Kickstarter. And I designed them and put them out to everybody. We have a guy doing that with the Israeli Defense Force on special operations teams. So we put it out there and everyone was like, oh, hell yes, I want that. So I put out a price point and what it would cost for the team. And then everybody chipped in. And then I'm going to go ahead and take the time to design them. Because I get to work with people directly and make the products they want to see without that fear of putting out something that like, you know, the Japanese airborne that six people might buy from Japan. <laughs> that That's kind of rough there. That's yeah. <laughs> You got to give it them a chance. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let, let's talk about the different levels because yeah, um, man. I think when I went on there, your all-in pack was like, what was it? Two, I don't have it up in front of me. What was it 239 for the all-in pack? Um, so you had like the top one. So $999 gives you that customized force. And when I saw it, and I I think I looked like two hours into your Kickstarter and I saw two people backed the $1,000 options. Like, okay, well, there's two mentally ill people in the world. That makes sense. Now you're up to five mentally ill individuals have gone for $1,000. Maybe they just make more money than you. (laughs) You know what? I'll I'll accept that. You know, it's it's a matter of perspective, but <laughs> you have 95 more slots available at the uh, custom force pack. And uh, maybe I could use some Japanese airborne. Uh... Do it up in, in diving poses, right? <laughs> you don't know what they jump into. <laughs> I need options. <laughs> so what what are some of the other levels here? So when you structured it out for Kill Wager, did that influence you on how you were setting up the um, tiers for uh, in-country and Kickstarter? Yeah, so the, the Killwager Kickstarter looked like uh, kind of a smorgasbord, pick your own squad. We had several forces to choose from, and each force had a squad you could choose. Squad was the terminology, but it was more like a four-man team at the time. Uh, so you could like back at 99 or 129, $119, and then you could afterwards pick two squads of your choice. Very cool. Worked for a lot of people. A lot of people were confused on that. A lot of people coming into Kickstarter were like, why can't I just pick them now? They didn't understand what post-backer kit things were. Um, It was a cluster, especially when it came to pick your own four squads. Additionally, we had add-ons that were available that weren't part of the pledge tiers that people wanted, and they didn't understand how to get them um, real messy. So this time around, I was like, okay, you get the rules. You get the rules and digital files. You get the rules and physical models, or you get pretty much everything you need to play the game in physical models, or you get the box set, and then everything in the Kickstarter. Just that's it. There's no specific little weird things. There are add-ons, but you get them all at the 299 level, and then from there we can go afterwards. Um, I wanted it very obvious. I wanted set forces. Nothing is choose afterwards, unless you want to buy more stuff. <laughs> I didn't okay. want questions on that. I I remember that part when we interviewed for Kill Wager, and I said you know, lay out what you have offering. And at a certain point I said, are you done yet? Um, just because it's like you had a physical track and a mm-hmm. digital track on here. So I, yes. okay. So I pulled up, I pulled up the Kickstarter now. So I backed at the 299 in country all in. Hell yes. So I get the compound terrain, the Russian forces, the skate from in country terrain, ter, uh, in country team containment, the terrain set, U.S. Rangers, Ranger Squad, Insurgent Squad. Okay, so I got all that. 
but let's talk about the digital rules. So there's there's going to be a lot of people that already play like ultra modern. They have their black powder red earth. They've got their specter miniatures. They've got their Anthlonica miniatures. And it's like, well, I already got plenty of miniatures, which is a crazy statement to say. But let's say someone's reached that point. Nine bucks, get a digital rule book right there. So I think that's an excellent walk in on there and say, hey, nine bucks, here's just get your printer going and you've got a new rule set to throw on the shelf. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you put this out, do you see like um, an inverse bell curve, like a bunch of people just going for the rule book and then a bunch of people going for like the all in and no one really going for that middle ground? Is that what you found in Kill Wager? Yeah, we found that people actually started off very hesitant about Kill Wager, first time company, first time Kickstarter, stuff like that. And then as we held more streams, as more basically proof of concept came out, as people started receiving early models, it escalated very quickly, mostly because that was like a physical offering, as I mentioned before. And we got some really diehard fans, some true fans, as I like to call them. And that's who I want, right? I want cool people that interact with my game on a cool level. And that's it. Like if you buy the rules and, you know, F off somewhere forever and I never see you again, that's, that's a, okay. But if I can get those people to stick around, interact with me, paint their models, do some cool terrain, suggest some ideas. I'm all for that. And, uh, I, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's yet to be seen, but we do have a lot of people at the $9. Well, not a lot. we got 74 people at the $9 one. And if they stick with the rules, let's say, okay. If they jump up to it, they get involved in the community. That's even better. But I want to have that offer out there for people. Yeah, we do have a lack of people. Excuse me, not a lack of people. We have less people at, for example, the $59 one. That's the digital rules and the two teams or the two squads, excuse me, eight miniatures, eight miniatures. We only have 22 out of the 350. And that does suggest what you just mentioned, that reverse bell curve. Well, which is funny because yeah. that's the option I went with the kill wager. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think I understand your point because once I got that, and Kill Wager would have been the in-country basic set, which was just the two squads and the rule books. And I saw the models. It's like, okay, these are really good. And then when it came to in-country, it's like, okay, well, I'll just go for the 300. Yeah. I know I'm going to like the models. Um, but I, I have to admit, on your intro video, seeing the models painted up on the board and moved around, um, that that seemed to grab me more than the Kill Wager, mm-hmm. um, the video there. So I, I've seen some improvement and refinement in that in the presentation but let's talk about tie-in so there's some kill wager stuff i passed on so when this closes and we go into the store can i will you also be selling some of the kill wager stuff in that are you referencing the um jackal team yeah so it's like People buy into in-country. This might be the first time they see you. They go into the in-country. You, you sell them this other product. Are you going to push Kill Wager in there too? Of like, hey, if you like in-country, I have this other game, Kill Wager. I actually do have some plans for introducing Kill Wager models into that post-Kickstarter kind of store we have going on, simply because it integrates so well. You can use the Kill Wager system to represent any modern-day conflict in your future, and a lot of the models actually can be used interchangeably. For example, our Harlow guys, the Harlow uh, offensive element without helmets, I mean, they're wearing Pattern 83 battle jackets. You know, they're operating African R5 systems. 
Like, you can just throw them into in-country if you'd like. So I will push a little bit of it in there, as well as trying to get that uh, Killwager community to grow, because we are introducing the Skull Core update later uh, this year here, and that'll be really successful, especially for running modern games. So big push in the uh, post-Kickstarter store. All right. Now, something you mentioned, and I think um, you mentioned solo play, which I don't think was a big part of Killwager. Um, so is in-country solo play. So there's going to be that person who gets on there, listens to this and says, I have nobody who wants to put down their Black Templars and play this game with me. But I, I really want these minis and I like the theme. How big a, what is solo play like in in-country? How do you handle that? Yeah, so I actually have several single-player battle reports on the Kickstarter page you can check out in relation to that. Uh, solo play is very good. Um, we based it on the kill wager model for solo play where units, enemy units basically have like a behavior system, but will always react based on whether they're aware or not. Kill wager takes that a step further because it uses the awesome contact system. So enemies won't know, like won't react to you if they don't know you're there, obviously. But, uh, this is uh, a little more just, did somebody shoot a gun? Okay. They're going to come at you. Uh, you can watch those battle reports, especially when it comes to the two-dimensional terrain. You'll have hidden elements basically in rooms. You have to search rooms or clear and flashbang them before going in, stuff like that. You can also introduce that into the two-player mode. So a lot of times, I love introducing like some wild third-party element into the game, whether it's Killwager's uh, angry locals or maybe even some angry locals in in-country. And they'll operate basically in between player turns. Um, you can easily set up a battle. It'll be hard to have like a pitched battle, for example, like... Uh, the enemy deploys onto the board, you deploy onto the board, then you fight each other. Like you can do that, but just, you know, it's better to actually simulate scenarios. So maybe a convoy ambush or defending from a convoy ambush rather than if you and a player set up against each other and just faced off. All right. Now, is this just going to be a shoot 'em up game? Because I was looking at one of the models here and you have the exclusive hostage model. <laughs> so this isn't just a shooting game of where like, you know, you might run into like, well, I'll optimize my force to kill your guys and you'll optimize your force, but there's actually scenarios outside of just a pure combat. What, what's the option there for like, you know, snatching and grabbing the hostage or like the server rack? Um, yeah. So obviously real life combat has a direct goal. I mean, you can just kill everybody for the most part, right? But usually you're going in there for a reason. A lot of games fail to actually describe that, especially when it comes to timing. If you look at games like Black Powder, Red Earth, it's very ambiguous and kind of just kill them all, you know, maybe grab the objective here, but it's not really defined. So in in-country, the whole goal of it is to get the objective. You're actually timed in a sense of once something happens, the game isn't over, like once you secure an objective, it isn't over, but you hit the zero hour and effects come into play. So the most recent battle report I posted, I actually have to defend with just two teams and my opponent has to secure three objectives. As soon as he secures that first objective, zero hour occurs, and now I can bring on the rest of my forces. But as soon as he secures another one, then it's over. So I have to think about where my forces are coming on and what's happening there. And if we kill each other or he kills all of me, it depends on if that zero hour has been secured or not. Like if I can hold him off, 
and he kills all my models before then, or I kill all of him, it won't go or won't trigger. So based on the scenario, you're going to be looking at capturing hostages. You can't kill the hostage, obviously, with grenades. I mean, you can, but you'll lose the game. Or trying to secure certain points before those zero-hour triggers or the uh, kind of uh, maneuver-ending triggers go off in the scenario. Now, I was watching these, so can you explain these intelligence cards? Oh, yes, I'd love to. Yeah, because oh, that, that, that I found interesting um, because the idea of like the small unit team and you like you have a SIGINT card. And so how does that work into the game? Yes, it, absolutely. It brings the intelligence side of the small unit action into greater clarity. Yeah, so I was Bill Intel. A lot of my guys were. My hard surface designer was oof, military intelligence for his entire career, pretty much. Uh, we we love what you can do with intelligence and we love what it represents because you never really go, at least you shouldn't go into battle without intelligence of what's happening or why. So with OPSEC, which is our card game, it presents a pre-game kind of bluffing card game mechanic where you draw cards, you discard cards, and you're attempting to draw two of the same card to trigger an effect while avoiding drawing the operation card. So if you draw the operation card, the game begins and whoever drew that card goes first. But you can always bluff that you drew the operation card. And what you're trying to do is bluff and say you did when instead you actually drew the correct intelligence cards. Now, depending on your force selection, intelligence cards will have different effects. And sometimes teams will actually count as an intelligence card. So I could draw an OSINT card and my veteran insurgents, because I don't know, they watch Facebook so much, they count as an OSINT card. So you can really play into force uh, combinations as well as special effects like Rangers. If the Rangers have two Geoint cards, they get to advance deploy a team representing maybe they're on the ground first. Maybe they have some kind of Helleborn deployment or something like that. Whereas Sigint, if they draw the two Sigint cards, they're like a flexible force. So they can benefit from either one, but only one. Uh, if you draw two Sigint cards, then they have better communications that are easier to avoid suppression and stuff like that. I'm, I'm sorry. I just pictured with your OSINT card, you gave the example of while well, they were patrolling Facebook. I was just thinking like um, some Al Qaeda member in Kandahar on TikTok. Yeah, like on exactly. His bal- on his balcony. Like, yeah. living, <laughs> living the jihad dream out here. And then like the whole shredder comes down. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like a really cool way to not only have that, because the whole game is based on back and forth with your opponent. You're going to be reacting to them. You're going to have the chance to interact with them. If I shoot you an ace, I can actually keep that injury off to the side to avoid an injury later on for my team. Like, it's a real big interaction between players. I wanted that to extend uh, before the game, actually, in that intelligence uh, kind of phase, the OPSEC phase. So you can bluff and lie. And it's always fun, like, uh, when we do the demos, I'm like, okay, after I run through it, I'm like, do you think I have the operation card? And the look on their face is always like, uh, it's a demo, so I think you have it, but like, oh, you bastard. Like, it's just a really fun time. All right. So, and the card will come in the set, right? So, if I got the all digital, are the cards in the back of the book or? Yeah, we have printable cards as well okay. as the deck of cards. Okay. All right. Cool. That, you know, these are the things to know. That's what um, magic land cards are for since you can get those and you like when you print them off you just stick them <laughs> onto lands um because people have plenty of those all right so i'm going through see if there's anything else i missed on here who painted your models they look really yeah, really good i've got two painters one doesn't do commission work outside of myself the other one is excuse me 
phased plasma painting on Instagram. Uh, Dave at phased phased plasma painting. He does amazing, super realistic stuff. Very gritty. He did a lot of the Rangers in the photos. So you can see that multicam he did, uh, the coyote tan stuff like that. He's, he's he does great work. He did a really good job showing off the models there. So, and uh, excellent board. Thanks, man. Yeah, paint job really blends in with the boards there. So it's all right, cool. Uh, you know, I have to admit, you've gotten better at the Kickstarter publicity. Like <laughs> pulling me into this right here. So I don't know if it's the theme or um, just the presentation's better. So I'm, I'm excited to get inside the store, see what else is in there and what it looks like. Um, Absolutely. But So we're rounding up on the end of our time. Is there anything else you want to throw out there or push um, about the game um, or anything else going on with Enemy Spotted Studios? Yeah, as always, we're growing, we're expanding, whether you like it or not, and we're here supporting the fight against veteran suicide. 10% of all sales outside of the Kickstarter, and this includes the post-Kickstarter store, goes to fighting veteran suicide through Mission 22, or, and 22 a day, I think was the other one that we just added on. I'm really sorry about that. I'll, I'll follow up in the notes there, but Mission 22 <laughs> is our primary donation um uh to fight veteran suicide we've all lost somebody close to us while working not while working here but everybody working in my company has lost somebody we know or somebody that's mattered to us significantly and uh it's kind of beat so let's stop that we uh we work with a couple of groups locally and i try to volunteer my time when i can uh whether it's through jujitsu you know going out to the range stuff like that working with guys from my units uh and yeah let's do it because I, I will say sometimes it's a person you don't expect. Yes. And you don't realize that they're having a problem. Checking on all of your friends. They're always wanting to hear from you. If they don't, then, you know, checking on hard, harder. <laughs> and they might not respond the first three times. Yeah. Keep going at it. So. Yes, please. Oh, well, good. Good project to back. Uh, good game here. So, Mr. Goon. I am yes. pleased that you uh, came back on and you brought another um, awesome Kickstarter here. Any ideas for a third game? Are you thinking about like third game? Well, there's, there's jokes. We've got a couple of jokes in the discord. Uh, platoon wager always comes up now, especially that in countries <laughs> out. Uh, then of course uh, the domain for www.soulwager.com is uh, mysteriously taken. So you never know. You'll you'll have to do like um, Corvus Bell I did with their uh, fantasy version of Infinity that uh, Warcrow or whatever. You'll have to do yeah, you'll have to do a high sci-fi a high fantasy. Yeah, catch me on a, a hard miss on all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no thanks. I've got an, I've got enough uh, I've got enough Weibo anime guys in my Discord. I don't need to I don't need to pursue in the footsteps of any company like that. <laughs> Catch me doing real, real gear. Maybe, maybe some, I don't know, uh, you know, medieval knights, maybe, uh, I don't know, crusaders. <laughs> there, you know what? I, um, you never know, man. Option. Yeah. 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 Get your, I would love to see what you did with the models there. Oh, some of those, uh, War of the Roses type armor, get highly detailed mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Stay so. tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> well, for everyone out there, go on to Kickstarter. When this episode drops, there will be eight uh, days left uh to go check it out and even if it's closed um what website do i go to like let's say i've missed this kickstarter i want to get into it where where can i find you on the interwebs 
Yeah, Mystery so tubes that bind us all. <laughs> Al Gore, right? Uh, <laughs> www.enemyspottedstudios.com or www.killwager.com or www.thisgamefwords.com. You can uh, all of those will uh, if you know if you use the real word, will link to one of our websites. Um, otherwise, you can go to the Kickstarter page after it's over, and there'll be a big link that will take you to the post Kickstarter store. Excellent. All right. For everyone out there, thank you for joining us at Miniature Wargaming Labs. And thank you, Enemy Spotted Studios. Mr. Goon, thank you for your time. And we'll see everyone next time. Let's go. Cool.